Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Sabbath School Commentary Podcast, where we get to look at the second half of the story of Joseph in Genesis chapters 41 through 45. We get to see Joseph's transformation from being a prisoner to second in command of Egypt next to Pharaoh himself. We'll also see Joseph's reaction to his brothers when they come to Egypt needing food. These are the same ones that sold him as a slave when he was just 17 years old. You're with Emmanuel Higgins from Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's a real blessing and privilege to share this story with you. I love the story of Joseph. It's such a roller coaster experience. We go up where Joseph is a favoured son of Jacob. He's like the favourite son and he has his coat of many colours and he has these special dreams. And then he gets hated by his brothers and he goes down and he gets literally dropped to become a slave, like the lowest of the low. And he goes into Egypt and he becomes a slave for Potiphar. He does really well at Potiphar's house and gets elevated to be like in charge of all Potiphar's possessions, basically. He's doing really, really well. He comes back up in his life again. And then he gets dropped down again to like the lowest in prison. And he's like there and there's no way out. There's no possibility for him to get out of prison as far as he can see. And then this amazing experience of being elevated to literally as high as he could go to be second in command of Egypt next to Pharaoh himself. It's an amazing story. And the the things that we can learn from this story are so practical and helpful in decision making for us today. And what was it that was the secret for Joseph's success? These are some questions that we'll contemplate together now. How was Joseph prepared to be the second in command of Egypt? What gave him that essential preparation? Was it something that happened overnight? Or was it, in fact, years of preparation that God had been taking Joseph through? And how can that help us when we go through circumstances and maybe you're going through something today that's difficult for you, that's a struggle, that's something you don't understand? And I'm sure Joseph went through, we know he went through these experiences that were very difficult and difficult for him to understand. And yet we see at the end of Joseph's experience here in the story here in Genesis that he says it was God leading him and God sending him to Egypt as a slave and then to prison and then to be second in charge. Like God was preparing Joseph through these experiences. Let's talk about the rags to riches part of Joseph's story. This has got to be one of our favorite parts of the story, right? Where overnight Joseph gets elevated to such a powerful, influential position. Well, oftentimes, I guess we look at people and we see amazing things that happen to them. And But what we don't see is that the years of preparation and trial and, and experience that lead up to this. And I really think we've got to look at that with Joseph. When we talk about what was Joseph's key to success. There's so many fascinating things to understand with Joseph's story and what prepared him. Because that is a real high position to be in. If you or me were in that position like overnight like that to become such a powerful person, really it would be a trial. I don't know if I could handle it to be honest. What human nature is like and we can it can go to our heads and we can get a bit lightheaded with such such power and such position. But not Joseph. He was not like that. He, in the years before as a slave and in prison, I think really prepared him to serve as second in command of Egypt. Think about Joseph's experience for just a minute, back when he was the favoured son of Jacob. People would have thought well of Joseph back then. 
at least if you and I were looking on at watching Joseph, what a fine young man as the son of Jacob. You know, he's got his special coat of many colors, which is like a coat of royalty. We would have thought really well of him. And then he gets sold as a slave. And imagine if you could see the, the slave caravan and you saw this slave, this young man as a slave. You wouldn't think much of him, would you? You would look at him and you would think, ah, oh, this guy's a slave. And then Joseph goes into Potiphar's house as a slave. But Joseph does very well there and he works his way up to be like steward over all Potiphar's possessions. And you would look at Joseph then and you would really respect him. He looks like a you know, really intelligent man. He, he's very successful, very good at what he does. And you would, have, you would think well of Joseph. And in fact, that led perhaps led to the trial that Joseph had with Potiphar's wife. So you know you think good of Joseph at that time. And then Joseph gets accused and, and thrown into prison and he's just a prisoner. Again, he becomes the scum of society, so to speak. And you look at Joseph and you think, there's just a prisoner. You don't really think very well of him. This is imagine if we were just, I guess, outside of perspective, just the average person looking in at what's going on. And then he becomes second in command of Egypt and he is the most powerful man. It's all of a sudden he has our respect and he has our admiration. It's, isn't it interesting how people, like how we naturally view others? We, we can be so critical sometimes. And certainly my opinion of Joseph, if I was an observer, would have just changed so much over the course of this story. But this is the key. Joseph, there's one thing that didn't change in Joseph's experience. And there's somebody who didn't change their perspective of Joseph throughout his journey. And that was God. A really, really interesting. Come back to Genesis chapter 39. And this is the key to Joseph's success. Why don't you see if you can pick it up. Just want to skim through, read a little bit from verse 2 and 3. And then verse 21 and 23. Verse 2 of chapter 39 in Genesis. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Verse 3. And his master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. Then verse 5, the Lord blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Verse 23, again, the Lord was with him and the Lord made what he did to prosper. What was the thing that throughout Joseph's life was constant? Even though the opinion of people around him would have changed so much, one thing that was constant for Joseph was that the Lord was with him. The Lord's with Joseph and the Lord made what Joseph did to prosper. Hang on a minute. So was the Lord with Joseph when he was in prison? Just the same as when the Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house? Just the same as God was with him back as the favoured son with Jacob, his father? And just the same as when Joseph was second in command of Egypt? Yeah, absolutely. So isn't that powerful that God was with Joseph and God was with him the whole time? And that didn't change. And as the Lord looked on Joseph, the Lord could see the potential in this young man. And God prospered him and blessed him in what he did. Now, to me, that's really encouraging. Like, people might look at you and they might criticize. They might think you're nothing or you're something. But the opinions of people are just fickle. They just change all the time. But God is there with us. He has a plan for your life and for my life. And he's taking us through trials that are designed to prepare us for the future place that God wants us to fill in this world. And not just this world, but heaven. And so this was the key of Joseph's success. And the fact that the Lord was with Joseph, like that wasn't an accident. Joseph 
opened his heart to God. Like right then when Joseph was being taken as a slave, he gave his heart to God. And Joseph was like, Lord, taken away from my family, from my father, and I'm going as a slave. I don't even know how long I'm going to live, but I want to give. He was just in that extremity where he gave his heart and his life entirely to God. And as he gave, when he gave himself to God like that, from that moment, the Lord was with him to guide him and to teach him and lead him through all these experiences. One thing that we can take away from this story is that while human opinions can be fickle and sometimes critical and change often, God's opinion of us doesn't change. God loves us. He cares for us. And he always wants what's best for us. And God was there with Joseph through the best times and through the worst times of his life. Now, can you think of something that if you could see just once, would like completely change your life like forever? I don't know, have you been to a country perhaps where there it's much harder to find food and you've seen the effects of food shortages and the humanitarian crisis or something like that? Do you think if you saw something like that, that it would change your life like maybe if you could have if you could see in first person our dear savior the man jesus dying upon a cross pouring out his life for yours and for mine maybe if we saw that it would change our life forever and yes that's true but there's something else i think if we could just see it would be life changing and that is if we could see the future that god has planned for us it would change our life completely. If we could just see the potential that God sees in us, the future, the potential of what we could become, it would be life-changing. Because God does have a plan for each one of our lives. It might not be a plan to become second in in charge of, of a country, but God has an amazing plan for your life and for my life. And it's so, you know, easy to get impatient. Imagine Joseph for years in prison Years as a slave with no real you know, prospect of doing something great in life. He was sold as a slave when he was like 17 years old, the Bible tells us. And then he was 30 years old when he became second in command of Egypt. So that's 13 years of just waiting. Imagine that. Like we would get impatient, right? And I'd get impatient. But when we wait on the Lord, we wait for God to teach us. And God had to teach Joseph many lessons before he could become someone with that position and that power. And so God is teaching you and I, and we don't know what God has in store for us. But if one thing we can learn from this story is to be patient, to trust in God, and to give God completely our life so that God can be with us like he was with Joseph. And let's continue Joseph's story. So during the seven years of plenty and so much food, they gathered so much grain, they actually stopped counting it. It was incredible. It said they had grain as the sand of the sea. It was just super plenteous and super abundant. And then the, after the seven years of plenty, the seven years of drought start, of famine. Two years into this, here comes Joseph's brothers. They've depleted their supplies of food. They're getting desperate. And they hear that there's food in Egypt, so down they come. And Joseph immediately recognizes his brothers. What's Joseph going to do? Can you imagine? Imagine the emotions going through him at that moment. Put yourself in, in that experience in his shoes. Man. Does Joseph still have bitterness in his heart? Is Joseph angry? Does Joseph want revenge? You know, what we see from the story is Joseph's not like that. But Joseph does treat them roughly or speak with them roughly. 
because Joseph wants to know, are these the same brothers that sold me as a slave more than 20 years ago? Or have these brothers had a change of heart? And most importantly, Joseph wants to know if his younger brother Benjamin is still alive. You see, Joseph and Benjamin were the sons of Rachel, which was so Joseph's father Jacob had two wives, and Rachel and Leah. And Rachel was the wife that Jacob really loved. And so that's where the favoured sons came from Rachel with Joseph and Benjamin. And then all the other sons came from Leah. And this was the tension, of course, all along. So Joseph is really concerned for his younger brother, Benjamin. He wants to know if the, the, other, the jealousy of the other brothers have caused harm or possibly death to Benjamin. After what they did to him, Joseph is really concerned. So Joseph speaks to them roughly and he questions them about his family, about their family. And then Joseph sends them back, but he keeps Simeon. And he keeps Simeon because Simeon was the one, one of the ones who was the instigator, real instigator of Joseph being sold as a slave to start with. And all of this is, yeah, because Joseph wants to see whether his brothers have had a change of heart and he wants to ensure that Benjamin is safe. And so Joseph sends them off and he hides the money in all their sacks and, and sends that back with them. And when he, the brothers realize they've got the money, they're, they're like really concerned because they're worried that they're going to get in trouble for this. And when the brothers get back to Jacob, Jacob's like, I will not <laughs> send Benjamin. He's my, you know, last son from Rachel. I'm not going to send him to Egypt. And so they, but they eat all the food, they get desperate, they get hungry. And finally, Jacob relents and allows them to go back to Egypt with Benjamin. So then here they come for the second time now back to Egypt and they come with Benjamin. Now Joseph takes his brothers and he puts on a banquet for them. He, he gives them food and Joseph is able to listen in on their conversations because um, Joseph, of course, can understand the Hebrew even though they don't realize this because Joseph speaks to them through an interpreter. It's interesting how Joseph arranges the banquet. He arranges them in order of ages of all the brothers and he gives Benjamin a five times greater portion than all the other brothers. And he's clearly showing favoritism. Joseph's trying to ascertain very clearly whether the brothers still have animosity or jealousy towards Benjamin. Now, Joseph has one more test for his brothers to see if they've really had a change of heart. He has their sacks, again, filled with grain. He has the money that they gave hidden within the grain. But this time he has a very valuable cup, a special divination cup, now, Joseph doesn't believe in divination with this cup, of course. He has this as an Egyptian token of a thing that they had. and But it's very valuable, and he has a hidden in the grain of Benjamin, in Benjamin's grain sack. And then he sends them off. And shortly after they've left, Joseph sends out his servants to, to apprehend them and say, my special divination cup has been stolen. I need to search your sacks. And they go through and search all the grain sacks and finally come to Benjamin's. And finds that in Benjamin's grain sack, of course, is this divination cup that's been planted there. And so they bring the guards and servants bring them all back to Joseph, berates him, and says, "All right, I'll take, I'll take Benjamin as a slave because he's stolen this cup." And at this point, the intensity of his brother's emotion was very evident. They were absolutely distraught. And if you're following along here in in the Bible, of course, this is in Genesis chapter 44. And at this point. Joseph realizes that his brothers have had a change of Judah proposes 
that he, one of Joseph's brothers, that he becomes a slave instead of Benjamin. He proposes to be a substitute so that Benjamin could go home to his father. Clearly, these are different brothers to the ones Joseph had those many years ago. And at that moment, Joseph reveals who he actually is. And I love this. This is such a beautiful part of the story. Let's read from Genesis chapter 45 and verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood nobody with him. And while Joseph made himself known to his brethren, then he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. So obviously there were people that were not in the room that could hear. He was Joseph just let out those years of emotion and I guess relief as well in this re- reunion. And Joseph said unto his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brothers could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. They were like shocked and probably terrified. And Joseph said to his brothers, Come near me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. That is amazing. That's, hang on. Didn't Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery? Didn't, weren't they the ones that sent him there? That's not what Joseph says. You see the meekness in Joseph and how he responds to his brothers? Like up to this point, Joseph's treated them a bit roughly, so to speak. But it's just because he wants to try and work out if they've had a heart change. And now Joseph shows his humility and his meekness. Joseph says, it's God that sent me. Joseph looked back at his life and he didn't, he wasn't filled with bitterness. Joseph, that he was sold as a slave, that he had those years serving as a slave and the years in prison. Joseph looked back and saw the hand of God in his life. And he said, the Lord sent me to Egypt as a slave. The Lord sent me to prison. The Lord sent me here so I could help feed not just Egypt, but also his own people. God sent me, Joseph said, to preserve you, a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says the son of Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and tarry not. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will nourish you. For yet there are five more years of famine, except you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. And let your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaks to you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring down my father here. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Wherever he kissed all his his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Just absolutely incredible. Just the best family reunion. And just imagine it. So what lessons are we going to take away from this part of Joseph's life? I think the biggest one is that know that God has a plan for your life. If you could see that plan, it would change your life. Yet, it's probably a blessing that we don't 
always see what the future holds. Because if we knew what trials were coming to us, we might get discouraged. It might be really difficult. So God only shows to us one step at a time. Let's trust. Simply trust. Trust that God does have a plan and his plan is the best. And the trials that we're going through preparing us for the future. It's like the scripture says in the book of Romans that all things work together for good to those that trust God, those that love him and those that are called for his purpose. And I believe God has a calling for you. God has a calling for me. Let's trust him on that. And let's walk with God in our life because really the key to Joseph's success and what enabled Joseph to handle such a position of power is that God was with him. We have a tendency when people criticize us, we naturally get discouraged. When people elevate us and praise us, we naturally feel elated, right? This is very natural for human nature. But I think God can help us to become not so affected by both of those things. Wouldn't it be great if we're criticized, we, we don't are less affected by it? Or when we can praise and elevate, we're less affected by that too. And I think Jesus was like that. He was in a sense dead to the criticism and the praise of people. And I think through Joseph's experience, being such a roller coaster of ups and downs in his life, I think Joseph learned in his life to rise above the bad times and the good times, if that makes sense. And he saw, you can see like the bigger picture of God and his purpose and his plan. So when things go bad in our life, or when things go good in our life, let's just keep looking to God, keep walking with God, and keep the big picture of heaven in mind. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, please teach us to trust you more, to be more patient through our trials. And right now, Father, we open our hearts to you and ask you to take our heart and come into our life to fill us, to lead us, and to guide us. Thank you so much for the story of Joseph and the many other stories in the Bible that help us practically in our life. May you be with each one of us as we continue throughout this coming week. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sabbath School Commentary Podcast.